little more than a week out from the launch of those spot Bitcoin ETFs. And despite the hype, price of Bitcoin has fallen about 11% since then. Our dear DeBoso on what that might mean for the future of those funds in today's tech check. Hey, D. Hey, Carl. Good morning. The results so far, they're underwhelming. The price of Bitcoin itself has fallen to its lowest level since SEC approval, underperforming other asset classes like gold, bonds and global equities. As for inflows, a little underwhelming here, too. Investors poured nearly $2 billion into the new ETFs in the first three days, and that falls short of aggressive estimates from market players that range from $3 billion on its first day alone to $55 billion over five years. Now, the early winners and losers, they're emerging too a week on. BlackRock and Fidelity are driving early consolidation with nearly 70% of all inflows. Grayscale, meanwhile, has seen more than $1.5 billion in outflows, perhaps further pressuring it to lower fees. Remember, it has the highest fees by far. Now, of course, it is still very early days, and the Bitcoin Bitcoin price rallied some 160% last year in the lead-up to ETF approval. But history tells us that thematic ETFs, they usually launch at peak hype and peak price. The first futures Bitcoin ETF, which launched in October of 21, that topped a billion dollars in assets in just two days. Those who bought in, though... They also got on near Bitcoin's peak when one Bitcoin was worth about $61,000. Now, that ETF fell 72% in its first year, and today is still down about 50% since that launch. We've seen similar action in buzzy thematic ETFs elsewhere, from cannabis to space to the SPAC funds of 2021. Investors, they pile into these popular ideas at their highs and frequently end up selling low. We could be seeing the same, at least in these early days for Bitcoin. There's another element to this, guys, maybe more philosophical. What if Bitcoin actually lost the bigger battle by winning over Wall Street, winning Wall Street's acceptance and the acceptance of some of its harshest critics? More Bitcoin that is held in funds, the less that is available for actual users. And its original case as a digital currency, putting that even farther away. Through ETFs, Bitcoin has now further solidified itself, of course, as a store of value. That's obvious, but not a means of exchange, what it was originally meant for. We covered this in our Tech Check Weekly Deep Dive, which you can find at cnbc.com slash tcweekly with some of the best sound over the last week since that ETF was launched. But guys, sort of taken some of the intrigue maybe out of out of Bitcoin, it's now another asset class, which is really interesting for Wall Street. For the maximalists, maybe less so. All right, let's dive deeper into the tech leg of this market parlay we talked about. As we mentioned, optimism is high. The Nasdaq 100 at an all-time high, and chip stocks are leading the way. Dieter Bosa joins us now for today's Tech Check. D. Hey, Tyler. So common knowledge tech obviously led the way last year. And after a rough start at the beginning of this year, it continues to keep that leadership. But let's dive into the different sectors. And you see that chip makers by far and away is the best performing sector within tech itself this year, but also over the last five years. Take a look at it versus the software ETF, an internet ETF, a tech ETF, and the NASDAQ itself. It has just been such an outperformer up nearly 300% over the last five years. And when you look at where the gains have come from this year as well, it's pretty much all the chip makers. The only one of the Magnificent Seven that's sort of in the top percentile, the top performers of the S&P 500 is NVIDIA. But you've got other ones like Juniper, AMD, Palo Alto, Arista, Broadcom, et cetera, et cetera. Chip makers have just been a fantastic investment 
over the last five years, and it looks like this year they could lead the way again. Of course, at some point, valuations get stretched or there's opportunity elsewhere. But the idea that this generative AI shift, platform shift, is so big and the need for chips and especially high-end ones like GPUs, the ones that NVIDIA and that AMD is going to be making, um, is going to continue to fuel this rally. And some evidence of that was Zuckerberg's message yesterday when he basically said that he is just loading up on these GPUs and CPUs in order to develop their own large language models. It kind of gives investors an idea that this could continue to move. Let's talk about, the on the one side, these companies investing heavily in AI. On the other side, they seem to be cutting jobs. Yes. So those two ideas are not actually at odds with each other because you have to think that more chips and smaller workforces, they actually go hand in hand because mm -hmm. if you are shifting your business towards this, and we've talked about this, Tyler, this generative AI model, you're going to use those GPUs or other advanced chips to do make your workforce more efficient. You may not need those junior engineers that can be replaced with generative AI. So you can be spending a lot more on the back end, on the chips, on the infrastructure, while actually cutting down your workforce. And I think that's what we've been seeing at Google. We've talked about their rounds of layoffs this year. And even Zuckerberg yesterday, he said that they're consolidating their AI teams. That could lead to layoffs as well. Yeah, all right. Well, Deirdre, we'll keep an eye on it, right?